It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets losing their third straight last night in Dallas to the Stars. It was a good effort. It was a good game. It was a challenging circumstance, but the Blue Jackets came up just one goal short. Three to two was the final score in that game. And now we're headed to Washington for the final game of this four-game road trip, hoping to get a win against the division rival Washington Capitals. I'm going to be talking with Craig Lachlan. He is the television analyst for the Capitals, and we'll get the breakdown on Washington here in just a moment. But first, I've got to tell you about Telhio Credit Union. You know, it's the holiday time, and maybe you need a little extra cash. Well, Telhio Credit Union could be the answer to your problem. In fact, they have the answers to many problems. They have a lot of services from basic things like checking and savings to small business loans and much, much more. To find out what they offer, you can just go to their website at telhio.org, surf around, click on the different tabs and the links, and you will get all the information that you're looking for. And by chance that you don't, if you're surfing during regular business hours, then there's a live chat option on the right-hand side of the screen. Click on that. Somebody will pop up on the screen, talk you through it. They are there to help you. That's what they've done at Telhio Credit Union for many, many, many years. Telhio Credit Union is open. Let me try it again because it can be cleaner. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in central and southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, without further ado, uh, the Blue Jackets... A lot of uh, trying circumstance yesterday. Both goalies were sick at the start of the day. Daniil Tarasov had to fly in from Cleveland, make his NHL debut. He played well, but it just wasn't good enough as his teammates uh, protected him a lot, but they gave up two uh, quick goals late in the second period, and that was the difference in the 3-2 to two loss in Dallas. Now it is on to Washington, and here, as I promised, with a preview of the Capitals, a preview and much, much more, I welcome in the television analyst of the Washington Capitals, Mr. Craig Lachlan. Well, Craig, I want to talk about the Blue Jackets and the Capitals. We're going to get to that in just a minute here. But first, I want to talk about you, who is a longtime Washington Capitol. I mean, we go all the way back into the 80s when you played mm -hmm. for the Capitals, and now you're a broadcaster. But you came out of, um, you came out of Clarkson. You came yes. out of college. You got drafted yep. by Montreal. You, you uh, came out of college and played. Now, back then, coming out of college wasn't nearly what coming out of college hockey is uh, today and getting to the National Hockey League. What was it like for you uh, back at that time, you know, late 70s, early 80s, when you're coming out of college and getting into the pro ranks? Well, it was interesting because, you know, the, during the 70s, when I actually was at Clarkson 76 through 80, I was like, there wasn't a whole lot of kids that were able to make the jump directly from to college to pro. And at the time in 76, my coach happens to be Jerry York, the all-time winningest coach in college hockey, who's now coaching at Boston College. And... I had a good, good team. We had Dave Taylor, guys like that that were playing with me at the time. And I was a kid from Toronto. I played junior A. I had quit at my midget level and played football, to be honest with you. My passion was also playing football in Canada and Toronto. And then I played hockey the next year and played juvenile. And then I played junior for one year. And I said, you know, I'm not sure. I got to make plans to go to Canadian college. And then two colleges called me. One was Lake State. And one was Clarkson and Billy O'Flaherty uh, from the O'Flaherty clan in the National Hockey League. 
came down to my house in Toronto and I sat with my parents and my parents were, my mom was a farmer. My dad worked for the CPR railway and said, Hey, we really think your son should come to Clarkson. My parents had never been to the United States. My, I had been to the United States just once at the time. And we said, well, tell us about it. How far is it from Toronto? Can my parents come and watch me play? And, and Lake state, as you know, is probably 12, 14 hours from Toronto or more. And Potsdam, New York, where Clarkson is, is about four and a half on the 401. So my mom and dad said, yeah, that would be great. We can come and watch you on a Friday and Saturday. We've never been to the United States. We'll make the drive every other weekend when you're at home. That sold me. I said, yes, I'm coming to Clarkson. Then I got drafted and I got drafted by Montreal. And the draft story is even better because I was sitting at the kitchen table during the draft and it's not as fancy and there's no fanfare and everything back in the day on the draft day. And my dad always sat at the kitchen table and read the Toronto Star in the morning. So he's reading the Toronto Star. He gets to the back of the Toronto Star sports section. And I'm sitting in the living room up front in the morning, probably having my coffee and, and watching TV. And he says, Craig, 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 you've been drafted. You've been drafted. And I'm like thinking I'm drafted to the Canadian Army or something. And he says, hey, Craig, you were drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. And it was a small little four by four uh, bottom of the sports section in the back that had the list of the players drafted. And I was drafted real late, one of the latest rounds there was in the draft back in the day. And then I get a letter the next day and say, hey, uh, we've drafted you. Congratulations. Uh, we expect you to stay in school for the full four years and continue to try to get better. And you will not be invited to camp and we'll talk when your senior year is over. And that was sort of the trials and tribulation of the college player back then. And then I got to come to camp. I had a good first impression. I played in the American League a couple of years. Then I got my one chance in November. It's the old phrase, hey, you got a good camp. We'll call you up. Don't worry, you'll be called up. And it's like, okay, you pack your bags, you go to Nova Scotia. And I love Halifax. And I said, okay, I'm going back to the Voyagers. Sure enough, November, they call me up and they say, Craig, you're going to be here. Ray Janoul is hurt at the time. I played my first game with Montreal and Detroit. And then I played home Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. I ended up scoring my first goal. And I think I scored like in seven straight games or something crazy like that. And they said, find a place, please find a place. And I never went back to the American league. So that was sort of my college through NHL to Montreal. And then the big trade here to Washington. But, but even when you get drafted and even though you get told, Hey, go all four years, we'll talk to you when you're done. <laughs> yeah. at, at least you go back with a lot of motivation, right? When you go back to college, because you know, as long as you continue to develop that you're going to have a chance, you're going to get some kind of a look, right? Yeah, you have, you have, the, but I never felt that I was ready to play in the NHL. I never, I had dreamed about playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs because I grew up in downtown Toronto. I lived next door to, uh, to the rink. And I was like Maple Leaf Gardens. I lived like 10 minute walk to Maple Leaf Gardens. I live right in downtown Toronto. So my dream always was to play for Toronto, not for Montreal. But when I got drafted by Montreal, my allegiances changed. And I was like, oh my God, the Montreal Canadiens, the CH, playing at the, playing at the forum uh, would be something. And what probably got me to really try to get better in college, because to be honest with you, I was out of shape. 
I was too heavy. I was fat. And I was like, come on, man, you got to start getting in shape. And really, maybe there is something underlying if you got drafted to become a better player, to become a better athlete. And Dave Taylor, to me, was one of my inspirations because Taylor was with me. He was a senior when I was a freshman. And as you know, he went on to have what a career with the triple crown line in Los Angeles with Dion and Simmer, one of the best lines ever. And he was a late draft of LA. And, and to me, he was an inspiration to me that, yeah, we can come out of this small school. And Clarkson was very small at the time. We were ranked number one in the nation. We ended up losing to BU uh, that year when they had all the Olympians like Dave Silk, Jim Craig, guys like that, Jack O'Callaghan on that team. And they beat us in the Eastern finals. And so I think when I look back, though, yeah, I had inspiration, but I think it was just like, hey, can I ever fulfill this dream? And when I went to the first camp and I walked in and I saw Robinson, Lafleur, Lapointe, I mean, I go down and I'm looking, oh, my God, Jarvis, Englum, I'm like, Pierre LaRousse, I'm like, I don't know if I can stack up. But as soon as I got comfortable, and it's interesting as a player, that confidence factor, I got comfortable. I felt like I belonged and I needed seasoning. And I, I see all these kids now jumping directly into the NHL because they're probably better prepared. They've trained. They've got trainers at every level for shooting, for passing, for fitness and everything. And back then, we didn't have any. I didn't. We didn't really even skate in the summer. I mean, I didn't have a power skater. I wish I would have or I wouldn't have been a plotter. I would have loved the opportunity to have someone make me a better skater. But all in all, it was fabulous. And then the trade to Washington sort of set me on the course to be here close to 40 years now. Well, I, and I want to ask you about that trade because okay. I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Yesterday, I was talking with Jeff Rimmer and I said, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to talk to Craig tomorrow. Are there any, yep. any good stories I should ask him about? And he goes, oh, you got to ask him about the trade from Montreal to Washington. Uh, you got traded with Brian Engblom, Doug Jarvis, and Rod Langway to the Capitals in exchange for Rick Green and Ryan Walter. And Jeff Rimmer tells me, you say you were the centerpiece of that deal. Yes, I do. I said, yeah, it was me for Ryan Walter and Rick Green. I tell everybody that. And then they threw in three guys that I've already forgot about. <laughs> no, it, it made it simple. It was actually training camp day number one in Montreal. It was like mid-September. I was going to the forum. I'd coming off a pretty good year where I had played most of the season in Montreal. I didn't never got sent back. So I thought I was going to step in and be in their lineup, which was so exciting to start the season with the Montreal Canadiens with the way they were and the hype they had. But I knew the underlying factor was that spring, we were the number one team in the NHL by far. And we ended up losing in the first round to the Quebec Nordiques. And that was, oh my God, like talk about pressure and press and people ripping you in the papers and on TV and on the radio. I mean, you lose to the Quebec Nordiques and you're the Montreal Canadiens. And it was a Dale Hunter rap uh, in overtime, I think in game five. And back then it was best three out of five that we didn't play four out of seven in the first round. And it was three out of five and they beat us at the forum. And that to me was like, Oh my God, there could be heads falling because the GM at the time, Irv Grundman, our, uh, Ronnie Caron was a player personnel guy and G part GM, and there was going to be changes. And then all of a sudden it hit us the day we walked to camp to try to get physicals and everything like that. We were called up to his office at the forum and then said you were traded. And the funny thing about that was, is the last year we played, the last game of the season was in Washington. 
And I remember we had never been to Washington. I'd never been to Washington. I'd never seen the Cap Center, this satellite building that was very dark in the middle of nowhere. And we were walking up the ramp at the end of the game and the fans were on the ice and they were doing shirts off your back. And we said that would never happen in Montreal where fans would be allowed on the ice at the forum. And Lo and behold, Rod and I talked to one another, and back then, no cell phones or anything. We're chit-chatting in the car on the way. Well, how are we going to get to Washington and all that? We don't know anything about it. And then they said, oh, by the way, training camp's not in Washington. Training camp, our first camp is up in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we're like, we don't, we've never been here. And all of a sudden, we arrive, and it was then another got you there it was oh by the way guys we're trying to save the caps this is a save the caps campaign we're trying to keep it in town and we're like where did we come from we came from montreal now to washington and now we're playing for this team that has saved the caps that have the new gm and david poyle a new coach and brian murray and we're like oh my god how, how's this going to work out and we had so much fun being the first team ever making it to the playoffs that first year and we never looked back and to me I still look back very fondly to my time here in Washington, especially that first year where we thought we made an impact, but obviously me lesser than a guy like Langway, who was named the captain and won those two Norris trophies. Talking with Craig Lachlan, he's the TV color analyst for the Washington Capitals. And yeah, those years, they were special. The teams that you had yes. were special there. You got there in what, 81, 82, and yep. stayed uh, in Washington through the like in 87, 88. Yeah. Really good teams. What, what kept you guys from winning a Stanley cup with all the talent that you had throughout that time? Um, how would this name say New York Islanders <laughs> <laughs> dynasty, bossy, Trottier, Billy Smith, uh, Dennis Potman. Um, they were our thorn in our side. You know, we had the one year there and we were right up with them, but they always seemed to have our number. And that was the year they were going through a dynasty. Edmonton has just, had just been through their dynasty. So it was just the Patrick division was ferocious. It's much like the Metropolitan now to me and my, I always tell that to Joe B, my play-by-play -play guy here. I say, Joe, this Metropolitan division is much like the old Patrick division. It was just hard games, game in, game out. When we play Columbus, it feels like a Patrick division game to me personally watching it. You know, when we had the rivalries with Philly, with the Islanders, with the Rangers. And the one year that probably disappoints us the most is the loss to the Rangers when we lost in the playoffs in the semifinals and we thought we were ready to take the next step and win the next couple of rounds and get to the cup. But um, I mean, Brian McClellan, who's a GM here, scored like a ton of goals in that series and ended up beating us. And now he's a GM here. So uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't look, I look back regretfully that we didn't win a cup, but then I looked the other side of it and I said, you know what? I've been here so long and 2018 when we won the cup sort of was I came full circle from my start of my career to the end and I was just as proud and happy when we hoisted the cup here in Washington so I felt part of it even though I wasn't on the team you still feel part of the push they made to win the Stanley Cup well before your career was over you got traded out to Los Angeles but you finished in Toronto with the Maple Leafs yeah. so yeah. when you talk about full circle 
you finally got to play for your hometown team at the end, didn't you? And it was tough. It was a tough, you know, it was a tough year for us in Toronto. At the time, John Brophy was the coach. I knew him from the American League. He was my coach in uh, down in uh, Halifax for the Nova Scotia Voyageurs. So I knew John. John and I became friends. And when I had a chance to sign in Toronto, he says, hey, come to Toronto. We've got some good things happen. And we were a good team. We just didn't put the team together. It was funny. We had, you know, we had, you know, I mean, you look at the list of guys we had, whether it be Wendell Clark, Tommy Fergus, I mean, Daniel Merwa, Gary Lehman, you go down to Boreas Salming playing D. I thought, you know, this would be great. But most importantly, that year for me uh, was the fact that I got to play in front of my brothers and sisters and my parents for one last time. Um, I got the chance to uh, live my life in Toronto, which was cool. I, I, you know, growing up there, you always wanted to make the Leafs, I'd play for the Leafs and putting on that jersey was special. I was fortunate to play for two original six teams in Montreal and Toronto, arguably one of the two best sweaters in the game of hockey. When you look at it back in the day, I mean, they're iconic. And to be part of that was great. It's unfortunate that my Toronto year, we were dismal. We didn't play well. We didn't make the playoffs. And then I got bought out and ended up going to Germany for a year. So that's sort of the end of my career that I was disappointed that we couldn't be better playing for Toronto because that would have been something had we won something there. All right. So when your career finishes, how do you go from what was your path going from NHL player to now NHL broadcaster? Okay, so my last year in Toronto, and then I went to Germany, uh, one of the games that we lost, and you know it very well, being a hockey guru, is the Easter Classic. The Easter Classic, the five-overtime game against the Islanders, there was me, there was Gillies, there was Bossy, there was go down the list of guys that were injured that series. I was hurt. And to this day, I say, if I wasn't hurt, we would have won the cup. But that's another thing that we can talk about in the future. But I said, the five overtime game, the local telecasts, the national telecasts are both in the rink at Capital Center. So the players aren't getting interviewed in the first overtime, second overtime, third overtime, fourth. Time. So they keep coming to me. So I keep interviewing on, at the time, home team sports. And at the time, Bill Brown was the producer director. He then went on to NFL and Fox. And then all of a sudden, at the end of that year, he called me and said, hey, Craig, great job there. Hey, would you be interested in doing color here in Washington? We're looking for a former player to come in, Al Koken, you know, longtime Al Koken here, smoking Al. He was the play by, or he was a color guy for Mike Forns and a bunch of guys throughout the ages. So I said, sure, I'd like to take a test. So I went in and that was a year after, that was after, just before my year in Germany. So I went to Germany and played. Funny thing happened in Germany that leads to this being then turning me into a broadcaster is that at the end of the season in Germany, when you play, I did not realize because I was signed to play in St. Louis. I was arguably, uh, 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 Bob, I was playing my best hockey. I got signed, ready to play for St. Louis because it was Ron Caron who was the GM. And then the International Ice Hockey Federation said, no, 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 your season. And I said, well, the season will be over because we're close to last place and we'll play the one round of playoffs, we'll lose, and I can go back to the United States and play. Well, what happened was, is he said, no, 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 you got a relegation round. 
And I said, what's a relegation round? He says, oh, you still got to play 20 games to stay in the first league. I said, 20 games? And sure enough, I had to play 20 games. My Canadian partner, he says, I'm quitting hockey. And he was Dave Dongley from the Boston Bruins. And he says, I'm out. I'm going back home. I'm not sitting around. So I was there as the one import having to stick with the team instead of signing in St. Louis. So I stuck it out, played the 20 games. We played against division two and division three teams. We ended up going like 19 and one. um, And I was playing my best hockey. So that summer I come back, Bill Brown says, Craig, are you thinking of retiring? And at the time I was playing my best hockey and Landsuit, where I played in Germany says, Craig, what do you want? And I said, okay, I want this amount of money. I want two Mercedes. I want a full, uh, uh, I want a nanny for my kids. I want my kids to be taught English because they were two and four years old at the time. I want a house with a washer and dryer, which over in Germany, they didn't have back in the day, but I want them both. And within five minutes, he calls me up and says, Craig, we're all good with everything you want. We really want you to come back again. So I had worked out a big deal with them. Then Bill Brown calls me that same week and says, Craig, we really want you to be our color guy. Can you come in and do another test of a game? I said, sure. So I did that. So I'm ready to go back to Germany mid-August. And I got one more call from the GM over there, Max Fiedra. And he says, Craig, you ready to fly into Frankfurt? I'll pick you up. We have training camp starting September 1. I'll pick you up. I'll drive you to Munich. And Landsuit was beautiful. It's in the countryside right outside of Munich. And we were at Canada's Wonderland with my kids on the rides. And I've got this phone as big as my head holding up to my ear. And I said, honey, Max Fiedra's calling. And we had been deliberating over this for months. And he's going to be calling me now to get my flight to make sure when he can pick me up. And we had the decision, retire and take the color job or go back to Germany and continue my hockey career and make more money and have all these things in line. And I said, we got to make a decision right now. So the kids got off the roller coaster. I was standing there. Max Feeder calls. I said, Max, I got some bad news. And he says, what do you mean bad news in his German accent? And he says, I said to him, Max, my back is so goddamn sore from carrying your team last year. I'm going to retire. So he said, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I said, yeah, I'm not coming back. Next day in the sport built in Germany, Lachlan retires due to back injury. So lost in transaction translation was my Germany last year. So then I became the color analyst here. I worked half the games and now I've been work. I worked with Kenny Albert. I worked with Al Koken. I've now been with Joe B and we're the longest running Joe and I now are the longest running duo in the national hockey league. We're just celebrating this year, our 25th year together and I think the Detroit guys are second at 24 years. So it's been quite the run. I mean, I spent, I'm a cap. I mean, 40 years here in town. Uh, I, you can say I'm a Washington capital for sure. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. Talking with Craig Lachlan. And, you know, when I think of the Washington capitals, I think Craig Lachlan and every time some people think Alex Ovet. I, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that is, but uh, Hey, Tell me about this guy and like what it is magical what's going on with him right now, isn't it? As he is chasing Gretzky's record and and total goals scored in his NHL career. I mean, he looks in some ways and, and we only saw him the one time this year so far, but he looks almost better than ever on the score sheet. Am I right? 
Yeah, you are. And it's interesting because people can't believe it being 36 years of age and the type of numbers he's chasing. Number one, he needs one goal to get, you know, to tie Dave Andrichuk and power play goals. He's one away from 750 goals. He's chasing the great one. Uh, Wayne, I think when you look at his career, I, I think a lot has changed. If you watch his game now, he doesn't hit as much. When he does hit, he runs you over badly. Um, so he's got more energy. I think the fact that he's got a family now, two young kids that he's really working with young Sergey. he's on the ice at practice. He's having fun with him. He's sort of more, I, I, I would hate to say mild mannered, but he's also focused that he wants to do something for even more for his legacy here in Washington. And to have your kids watch it, there's nothing more special than having your kids at a game. I know my son remembers me playing. My daughter doesn't, which is unfortunate because they were young. But I think Ovi gets great enjoyment out of that when they're at every home game, when they're sitting glass side, when he's on the ice, when he's fisting the glass, that's to his son and his wife and his kids. To me, it's just, it's brought him to another level. And he came into camp fitter. He trained differently in the off season. He still, we all know he's got the patent at one timer, but where he's changed more than anything is probably the fact that he's become more comfortable. And that's, this is a hard word to say. He's become more comfortable being a playmaker and being a playmaker for Alex actually opens up more opportunities because if you watch some of his goals this year, what happens is, is he's faking the slap shot and laying it over to the far side for a wide open net. And to me, then it also creates more the deception that he has is making goalies guess a little more. Is he going to shoot? Is he going to pass? Now he gets caught between and now his shots are going in the net because they're guessing. Maybe they're seeing the highlights where he's freezing the goaltender, freezing the defenseman and his step. And, you know, it's funny. Some years, and I always talk, uh, talk about this about players sometimes on the telecast. There's players that skate on top of the ice and there's players that skate in the ice. I was a plotter. I skated in the ice about a quarter inch in, and that's why I was plotting. Great skaters skate on top of the ice, and you see them just glide over the like a Kuznetsov that skates on top of the ice. And Ovi has now come from skating in the ice a little bit to skating on top of the ice. And to me, it's brought him quickness. He's beating guys one-on-one. -on -one. And we're watching. This is not greatness. This is historical greatness that we're watching in a generation that this guy can keep scoring at 36 against bigger, better athletes in net against bigger, better defensemen against matchups. We are seeing history. And I think this is great for the NHL. It's not just great for Washington, Alex Ovechkin, you know, you can talk about Connor McDavid and dry and all those type of stars we have in our league. I don't think right now there is a bigger star in the national hockey league than Alex Ovechkin. And I'm going to leave it there. I mean, he's incredible for what he's doing at his age. And I think he can play well into his 40s. He could be the next Gordie Howe. I want to ask you this really simply. Like, first of all, you get measured on your career many times when you're a player like Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. Um, do you have a championship? Have you won a championship? And for those that haven't, it's like, oh, he's a great player, but he never won anything, which is, it's not fair, but it's a fact. Right. But Alex Ovechkin does have that Stanley Cup ring now. Would would he have had that ring had Barry Trotz not come to Washington to be the head coach? 
Um, <clears throat> probably not. I think Barry Trotz really instilled the things that this need to, team needed at the time. But I would say this about that. I think Alex, throughout his coaches that he had in his career, helped him get to where he was moving into the Barry Trotz era. Like you remember the year that Dale Hunter was brought in and he said, guys, everybody's got to block shots. And you see Ovi blocking shots. And I'm like, no, don't have Ovi block shots. And I remember talking to Dale. Oh yeah. We're one for all and all for one. And that he's going to block shots. He's going to play defense. He's going to do this. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't want him blocking shots. I want him shooting a puck. I want him getting open, but those type of learning experiences helped him with his leadership, helped him with all these type of things. Then you have Barry Trotz come in and he puts a lot of structure in the game but he still allows the innate ability of a guy like Ovechkin to still be Ovechkin. I don't understand some coaches that are trying to, you know, over the years I've watched the NHL for so long that, you know, you turn a, a skill guy and you sort of tie him up instead of letting that skill overflow. Like why would you ever want to do something to a Patrick Kane? Let him do his thing out there. Does he have to play sort of within the confines of the game? Absolutely. He has to have some of the structure. But I think Alex, over the years, he learned what you needed to win. I think he learned how hard it is to win and how hard he has to be a big piece of the puzzle for us to have a chance. In the Stanley Cup run, he wins the Conn Smythe. He was a playoff MVP. But I was sort of leaning towards Kuznetsov being the playoff MVP. But it's Ovi, the way he willed his team during our cup run and the way he wills the team now. I mean, if there's one guy that can will a team to victory, it's a big goal. It's a big hit. It's a celebration. It's the joy. What I what I've marveled at Ovi is that when you see him score a goal against anybody, yeah, he, it's Ovi. It's a smile. It's a tooth. It's the gap in his tooth. And it's the yeah, we just scored. But. What people don't often see is the joy he gets when his teammates score. It's incredible. I mean, it's like he scored. Like, he is so vested here in Washington. But I think, answer your question, all the coaches that had big imprint on his career, Barry Trotz, I think, had a big imprint on the team game. And I think that included Ovi. Ovi had to walk the line. He's a captain, so he better do what, you know, Barry Trotz says. And he, But I think he used all his experiences – all the players that he played with, all the captains that he had, including a guy like Chris Clark, uh, who we all know, that was a big influence on Alex Ovechkin when he was a youngster. So to me, the captains, the coaches, but definitely Barry Trotz's legacy here in town is the Stanley Cup and how he was able to put together this type of winning environment here in Washington. All right. So tell me, where is this Capitals team right now? I know last night lost in a shootout to the Chicago Blackhawks. But, uh, you know, it's you, that team has gone through injuries. Uh, mm -hmm. TJ Oshie has been out of the lineup. Nicholas Backstrom has been out of the lineup. But as the Blue Jackets come in to take on the Capitals tomorrow night, um, where is this Washington Capitals team right now for you? Our last two teams have our games haven't been great against Florida. We blew a three goal lead in the third and end up losing to Florida. Uh, then we lose in to Chicago last night uh, in a shootout. We played okay. I think we went through a run there where actually we were one of the best teams in the league. The one thing that the Capitals' identity is, is and it's very much like Columbus, is that their coaches, just like Larson does with Columbus and now Laviolette does here in Washington, 
they'd been manned a work ethic. And last game against Florida, he said this at the end, we were outworked, we didn't work hard enough, and we got punched and we didn't punch back. And to me, that's sort of the mantra here in Washington is that they've got a team identity. And whoever gets inserted into the lineup, and we've used, I think, we've had seven rookies or eight rookies that have played close to 100 man games. All the rookies, the seven rookies that we've used consistently have scored. So that's a good thing. But they bought into the system because they're being taught that in the American League. We're missing our whole second line. You look at our second line, it's Backstrom, Oshie, and Mantha. People forget Mantha. Then we have Connor Sheary. So we've got four key guys that fit into the top nine out of the lineup. So the what we did in November going, I think, what was it, nine, four, and two, was incredible with what we had. So I give kudos to the structure. Laviolette had this, this team for the first time in training camp. He instilled the systems. They've been very good between the blue lines in their 1-3-1 one, one coverage. I think that's what the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to have to work through. If they can get through the center of the ice against the Caps, they've got a boatload of talent, whether it be Bjorkstrand, you go down the list, Voracek, guys like that on your team are going to have a good night. If they can't get through the neutral zone, which is the bread and butter of the caps, they want to reload and they want to go, they're going to be in trouble. And then we go to our goaltending. I mean, Samsonov has been incredible, but inconsistent, as had Vitek. So it depends what night it is, who you're going to get, but definitely they have tremendous talent. But we're trending in the right direction. Our last two games are trending in the wrong direction. But the identity of the team should give it a good, good tussle against Columbus tomorrow night. All right. I got one more question for you. And I, yep. when, when the Capitals were in Columbus a couple of weeks ago, and I'm looking at the roster and I'm calling the game and, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking Washington and Pittsburgh have such a, a big rivalry over the years. Yep. And especially with Crosby Ovechkin. And I look at your roster and I see so many former Pittsburgh Penguins. You mentioned Connor Sherry. Yeah. Um, uh, Hag Haglin is there. Schultz, Schultz is there. Yeah. Uh, who else am I forgetting? You got, and and even over the last couple of years, Niskanen was there. Uh, right. Brooks Orpik was a, was a great pickup at the time, helped to, to win a Stanley Cup. For two teams that hate each other so much, why do you end up with so many of their guys? I guess because they're winners, you know, no, no, all those guys that you mentioned there probably went through the cup years with Crosby, right? Hagelin was a big part of it. So all of a sudden you bring in, I think that was part of the transition. Remember, we made that big deal. We got Niskanen, we got Orpik during our Stanley Cup run, you know, the year prior, or two years prior. Orpik's still with the team. Niskanen's went on and retired. Uh, Connor Sherry fits in perfectly. So I think familiarity, number one, right? If they can play like Connor Sherry, for example, he played with Crosby back in the day and he was a part of the Crosby line. Then he got shuffled in up, you know, from one to nine in the top three lines. So I think when you look at the familiarity, the seeing them on a nightly basis, the rivalry and how they play in rivalry games, which is a heated matchup between Ovechkin and Crosby. It always seems to be there's great hatred between our two cities. And, and that's in football too, between the Steelers and the Washington football team and go up into Baltimore and the Ravens, whenever they play, it's crazy. So at the end of the day, I, I just think we bring them in because we know they're good players. They played star players and they've won in their background. And to me, that puts it all together in a package. And then we had the coach, Todd Reardon, right? Penguin now and now Penguin coach again. So I don't know, maybe where the, we just read off the link. We haven't got any blue jackets recently, have we? No, no, you haven't. 
And you guys have got a lot of good players. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird how teams pick up players and make trades. You know, I don't think we've ever made a trade together, Columbus and Washington. Oh, no. That, no well, Chris Clark came over, oh, right? Chris Clark. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Milan Yurchina was in that. Yurchina, yes, you're right. And, and he went back again. <laughs> so <laughs> when it was all said and done. We're not trading. We're not trading broadcasters. I'm not trading Joe yet. Okay. I know you're trying to get in there. I'm not trading him yet. You're going to have to give me way more time on air. All right. Well, I'll let you get to 30 years and then we'll talk about it. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Craig. Hey, this has been great. It's, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. I love talking to you and it's, you know, it's really been tough for us because we haven't gotten to see our friends in a long, long time. And right. uh, I know you guys didn't travel to Columbus, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing you tomorrow when we come to Washington in the Blue Jackets and the Capitals renew the rivalry that they have. Bob, thank you so much. You're awesome. I listen to you all the time. So congrats, man, and keep it going. And we look for another fierce game tomorrow night here in Washington. That is Craig Lachlan. He is a television analyst for the Capitals. Great story. Absolutely fantastic stories. I loved every bit of that, and I hope that you did too. The Blue Jackets and Capitals are playing tomorrow night, 7 o'clock in Washington, D.C. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on both the Blue Jackets radio network and on Valley Sports Ohio. That's going to do it for another edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until tomorrow night, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.